Hi everyone, FG's Deputy Editor Olivia Midgley here. It's good to be back on the podcast and I'm looking forward to sharing with you some energy saving tips this week. I don't think any of us have been immune, have we, to the rise in energy prices and if you're anything like me, you'll be obsessively turning off lights and looking for ways to save money on your heating or just not turning it on at all. But for a lot of farming businesses, of course, that is not an option. Energy from renewable sources, if you can overcome the planning and financial barriers, is also on the radar like never before. And later in the show, I'll have John Swain of NFU Energy with me, who says they've seen a massive uptick in farmers wanting to diversify into this space. More from John later. Over the Farmgate, listeners are being offered the chance to win £200 by watching a series of films showcasing New Zealand agritech. Climate change and growing world population are driving a period of rapid innovation in agriculture across the globe and New Zealand is on a mission to be at the forefront of change. We combine a deep respect for the land with advanced technology and powerful partnerships to create agritech solutions which can deliver real results for all climates, landscapes and production systems. Watch the latest video in the series featuring Waikato, Aitchison, Figured and Tipari at www.fginsight.com forward slash NZ Agritech. But first, and the government's decision to scale back its energy support for commercial businesses will leave many farming enterprises facing crippling fuel bills. But there are some things businesses can do now to mitigate the impact. Here's Mark Topcliffe, an associate in Knight Frank's rural research team. Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. So today we're talking all about crippling energy bills that a lot of farming businesses are facing. And, uh, well, the government certainly hasn't helped, has it, by its decision to scale back its energy support for commercial businesses. What sort of impact do you think that's having on farming businesses right now? You're right. So there's going to be a change in the uh, in the schemes which the government uh, just recently announced. So since October, farm businesses have been under this energy bill relief scheme where they can get a, a sort of energy bills are sort of capped, and that comes to an end at the end of March 2023. So shortly. So from the 1st of April, we're going to have the the new scheme which the government announced, which is the energy bills discount scheme which as it implies is a, a, a application of a discount on your energy bills instead. And that's a, a much scaled back sort of funding and support for uh, for non-domestic customers, basically. So um, certainly when we've looked at the scenario of, say, a, a farm that's sort of renewed an energy contract at the beginning of October and, and fixed that for one year, then the energy bill for that farm uh, between sort of what it could be at the moment and what it will be under the new scheme in April could increase by around 200%. So quite a significant right. change, really. And so that's really because the the discounts that will be applied under the new scheme um, is, is relatively small. So if your energy prices are above some threshold prices, which the government has set under the scheme, they'll apply as a discount to your unit prices. So for for gas, for example, you'll have a discount of up to 0.67 uh, pence per unit of uh, kilowatt hours. And for electricity, it'll be 1.96 pence per kilowatt hours. 
And so that only really kick in, as I say, when your energy, own energy prices on your own contract are above these threshold levels, which the government has set. Uh, and those are set at uh, for gas at 10.7 pence per kilowatt hour and for electricity, 30.2 pence per kilowatt hour. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of businesses will probably still get that discount. Um, certainly at the moment, some of the, the tariff prices I've seen being quoted, if you're renewing at the moment, uh, are around about sort of 35 to 41 pence per kilowatt hour for electricity, for example. Um, but for those that have been on um, certainly the, the higher tariff rates and uh, that were sort of back in sort of the autumn and, you know, where you were getting 70, 80 pence, even one pound per, per kilowatt hour, um, you know, that that discount will, won't make too much of an inroads into that uh, into that sort of price. So it, so it could have quite a, a big implication really for for costs on farms and estates at the moment. What should farmers be looking to do then now? Is there anything they can do now in terms of renegotiating tariffs or anything like that? Well, certainly in, in the short term, one of the things they can do is look at their energy tariffs and seeing whether they can either renegotiate or look at if they're renewing anyway, if they're coming up for renewal, see if we can get a better deal. There, there are definitely some better deals around at the moment than what there was maybe a couple of months ago when energy prices were, were higher. They have come down in recent weeks, which is which is good to see. So maybe look at, see if you can get better tariffs or even if you can't get a better tariff, get a better contract um, that just allows you to reduce those costs. Uh, and maybe look at doing that maybe for the short term, so six to eight months. So, so the other thing which I think farms and estate businesses can sort of look at is looking at obviously their energy consumption. So do you know do assessment of all your equipment or or whatever uses energy on on the business uh, and seeing whether there's any way of reducing that that consumption. I mean some very simple things obviously around sort of more efficient lighting that sort of thing. If you can reduce say your lighting from tungsten bulbs bulbs if that's what you're using to the the lower energy lamps that you can get, you know you could reduce the energy costs of those by eighty percent up to eighty percent. Uh, having a look at maybe at some of the pumps that have been used on on the business that using aerators and separators and, uh, and that sort of thing or or wet feed systems, um, you can get higher efficiency systems now, more high efficient motors. So it might be worth looking at whether that's possible and whether the investment's worthwhile. But certainly, uh, some of those are decreased costs by up to thirty percent. Looking at building insulation, if that's applicable for the type of buildings that you've got, that's uh, that's obviously one that uh, can apply both to the uh, the house as well as maybe if you've got enclosed buildings which you're using for livestock um, or for storing, for example, and seeing whether insulation might better uh, cut the costs of heating or or cooling. The other thing that might be worth looking at is is there any fans or and looking at you know fitting more efficient fans, maybe. Uh, I know that uh, actually uh, some of the fans you, you see around, are, you, they can be absolutely covered in dirt and debris, and that actually can reduce the efficiency of those those fans as well. So if you can keep those clean, you can, uh, I've seen some figures that can actually, if you, if you don't clean those, can reduce the efficiency of those fans by up to 20%. So keep those clean, uh, they could sort of help. The other thing is is looking at generating your own electricity. Um, that's a slightly medium to longer term thing, but 
it could also sort of help uh, if you're looking at sort of maybe assessing if you can do some roof mounted solar panels uh, or, or wind turbine, et cetera, or even looking at if you've got livestock manures or anything which could be a feedstock for anaerobic digesters, you know, that could also generate quite a good amount of energy uh, that could be used on the farm and even uh, even possible to export that as well for a little bit of income. So those are two things which I say people could do now is, is look at, yes, your energy tariffs and see whether you can get better deals on that and look at your consumption on farm and see if you can identify those things, those pieces of equipment, which are the, the high consumers of electric. Is there any grant funding or any, any money available to, you know, make the switch to these new pieces of kit, like, you know, the, the LEDs or anything like that? Slightly frustratingly, there isn't much around uh, around that. You could possibly um, get some local funding um, and that would be, that's very sort of local, um, but certainly on a national scale. Um, at Night Frank, we've got a, a grant finder tool and when we've looked into that to see what grants are available around this, it doesn't come up with anything and we've searched thousands of grants that are out there for lots of different things. So it's, I think it's one area where I think policy could be better and cons more consistent from government to is looking at how to, if they want to increase the pace of the uptake of some of the energy efficiency equipment uh, and materials that um, they want to do to try and reduce carbon footprints, etc. Then I think it's one area where they could possibly provide some support. Uh, so there's very, there's very little at the moment. Well, that's really disappointing, isn't it? Because that seems like an easy win, doesn't it? To, you know, um, it, it does absolutely. Times with government policy and also helps those producers who are, who are, you know, really struggling against those crippling bills at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's, uh, it, yeah, when we're seeing these increases in the bills, which are going to come along with the change in the schemes, it's any help like that would would, would really sort of support these farms and the state businesses. Uh, and, and encourage them to make those changes. And that's the thing. We, we want to encourage everybody in the rural sector to to move over to some of these more energy efficient materials and, and, and equipment and energy generating systems, really. Great advice from Mark there. Who knew cleaning out your fans could carry such an efficiency saving? Before you all rush out with a brush, here's NFU Energy's John Swain with some fantastic insight on the renewable energy market and why those ideas for a wind turbine you shelved a few years back might just be worth resurrecting. Yeah, we're in a yeah, slightly strange um, uh, time right at this moment because We've got the energy bill relief scheme that's helping people with their energy costs. But of course, that comes to an end at the end of March. Mm -hmm. and people are just wondering what they're going to be doing and what energy prices are going to be doing from April onwards. And whilst it seems that energy is, is coming down uh, on the wholesale market, this doesn't quite reflect into fixed price um, energy contracts right at, at this moment in time. So people who are on an energy contract are still going to be tied into maybe some reasonable costs or unreasonable costs, some might say, for energy for a few months more. And of course, that's meaning that people are slightly scared, slightly worried, um, and wondering how they might protect themselves for uh, for the long, well, the short term and the long term from these rising prices. What's your advice to to those businesses that come to you? 
very first piece of advice is always to check the contract that you're on and check the prices that you that, that you're on because immediately you might be able to reduce your impact uh, or your business impact by uh, getting on a more favorable contract maybe on a flexible arrangement for purchasing electricity and gas um, or maybe even you're in out of contract period and therefore you can negotiate a better rate and yeah rates are slightly more favorable but once you've gone past that uh, an initial buying better period, then it's into how you might use less. Um, and then you know, the third strand is always how you might then sort of generate more to cover what you can't avoid using. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we, we, we're hearing quite a lot at Farmers Guardian of people quite interested now um, in the renewable energy market. Are you seeing an uptick in farmers wanting to diversify into this space? And, you know, I guess that desire to be energy independent, is that coming into it more now? Absolutely. Um, I would say over the last uh, 12 months, we've maybe had a double or trebling of uh, of phone calls into into our office here. Uh, for people looking for the next thing to be investing in to protect themselves from energy prices. And usually that um, conversation is led around renewable energy. The world of solar PV, solar panels, has gone absolutely balmy in the last few months, um, as you might well expect, being the easiest way to get get some form of renewable generation on site, um, the changes in permitted development rules and the, um, the slightly easier way of connecting to the to the network that we have right at this moment in time means that um, that will probably be the fastest renewable project, let alone the the, the most cost effective one that uh, that most people can can do, especially if they have a bit of roof space that faces in the right direction or a small amount of ground that they can put a little ground mount system onto. Quite a lot of people that call into us uh, haven't done anything. Um, and uh, because the uh, the press and the popularity around solar um, is quite vocal, then they always think start off thinking solar is what they want. Of course, we sort of take the approach that you have to look at what you need, you know, where your consumption is going before you immediately jump into any renewables project. Um, and the first step in that is to understand where your energy is being consumed, what your pattern of use is, what your big consumers are on your farm, um, and therefore tailor your renewable solution to meet that need. Once you have minimised it as much as you possibly can through some energy efficiency improvements. And in terms of the attractiveness of these schemes, I mean, we're hearing quite a lot of farmers being approached by developers. Is that something you're seeing as well? Yeah, and, and we're in slightly different territory where farmers are being approached by developers compared to a farmer who wants to install a solar a solar PV system for their own consumption. Developers are looking for very large ground areas um, to put large solar arrays um, uh, sort of located on those and avail themselves of some big grid connections. Invariably, they're not going to help with your own consumption. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're there as a, a sort of an independent energy generating station in its own right mm-hmm. and whilst you might get a ground rent for that whilst you might get some compensation for for the hassle of having that on your site uh, or for the uh, um, the fun of hosting it um, you might want to offset those costs against your energy bill and not actually doing anything about your own particular energy consumption mm-hmm. uh, and what's happening in the wind sector because obviously uh, turbines are, are probably m- more contentious than ground-mounted solar array, I guess, or they, they have been in the past. What are you seeing in that space? 
Yeah, there, there is still, in fact, a, a, a de facto ban on onshore wind um, in that the, the permitting system for that um, and the consultation system for that means that really you only have to have a single or maybe a couple of objections before a, a project is, is unable to continue. However, the mood music is changing slightly. Um, I think at, at governmental level, there is recognition that we can't just hang all our hats on solar PV on large solar arrays and that we need something to take up the slack in the winter months um, and in the windier months of the year and indeed during the evening and the night time when the sun isn't shining. Mm -hmm. um, and onshore wind certainly has the potential to be a gap filler um, and certainly has the potential to give us more constancy, more stability in renewable energy generation, albeit it is still intermittent we're still relying on the wind to blow. And if it doesn't, then we're going to need to get our power from other places. Yeah, the planning uh, and the bureaucracy around these projects is huge, isn't it? On the, you know, on the one hand, you've got industry being tasked with becoming net zero, becoming more efficient, being, being energy independent. And then on the other hand, you've got these often quite big hurdles, haven't you, to, to development. What's your advice to farmers when, you know, when they're faced with these hurdles? Yeah, and thinking particularly about uh, about wind turbines, I suspect that the um, uh, the likelihood of the planning restrictions easing is going to be in the smaller market, mm -hmm. uh, in the smaller size turbine market. Um, and from that point of view, I would suggest to anyone who's thought about a wind turbine for their own consumption, you know, to to offset their own consumption at a at a sensible height. Not a I'm not talking multi megawatt schemes here. I'm talking sort of, you know, 10 to 50 to, to 150, to maybe even 500 kilowatts, um, that they could sort of dust those things off that they started, you know, five or six or 10 years or so ago and, and relook at them and reappraise them and see whether they work for them today. Mm -hmm. Because if the planning policies do change, um, then I'm relatively convinced it will be in that marketplace. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the, the sort of, hottest technologies right now obviously solar i guess is is top is it and then what are the other things to look out for yeah and the uh, the technology of choice really depends on on your on your need and so you can look at um solar pv for a good number of farms and it works very you know, very well very competently but when you're thinking about much larger systems when you're thinking about maybe your, your greenhouse growing tomatoes or cucumbers or peppers um, there aren't many renewables technologies beyond biomass uh, boilers that can really help you out. You have a large heating demand. And in fact, actually, you know, some surprising things like combined heat and power fed by natural gas can give good cost benefits, um, have modest carbon savings, but indeed help people with their energy consumptions um, by uh, enabling them to export electricity whilst using the heat and using the CO2 usefully within their glasshouse. And I've seen an uptick in popularity of those systems over the last you know, 12 to, to 18 months. And and how does the battery battery market fit in with that? Because I was at the Low Carbon Agriculture Show last week and uh, hearing that there's still quite a shortage, isn't there, of supply? Um, obviously, a lot of farmers are wanting to get these on farm, but the, it's proving quite difficult. Yeah, battery technology is, uh, is rapidly developing. Um, and the size of battery systems that we're seeing and the cost reductions that are coming along down the line mean that it will be a really important part of the uh, giving us a stable energy system. 
at this moment in time, I think it works relatively well at lower scale. So where you're talking maybe 10 to 100 kilowatt hours worth of batteries to buffer your nighttime demand with your solar production during the daytime. But at very much larger scale, at utility scale, I don't think that's something that uh, that is here and now yet for the agricultural community, other than maybe in a hosting sense to to buffer a very large solar array or a very large wind farm somewhere um, sort of co-located with it. What would you say that the mood is among farming businesses in terms of looking at renewables and being quite enthused by the sector? I think agriculture generally has been quite enthused by the renewable energy sector for a long time. Um, it's one of the the sectors that really took to heart the renewable heat incentive. It really took to heart the feed-in tariff mechanism when they, both of those were around. Right at this moment in time, quite a lot of these technologies um, don't really um, provide a meaningful payback without some form of governmental support. When you take the case of heat pumps, for example, if you're going to put heat pumps in a glass house or heat pumps in a poultry building, um, then the electricity cost becomes an incredibly important factor in that. And where electricity is the cost that it is today, there may not be a huge saving to be had over the uh, the previous heating fuel that you had. So really real keen interest, but maybe sort of cautious um, appraisals. Can you see that change anytime soon? You know, are, are things changing in that landscape, would you say? Uh, not soon enough, in my view. Um, and I think we all have a part to play in reducing our energy consumption. And that is something that I would like to see some meaningful governmental support for, because I think there is a good amount of energy efficiency actions that can be taken um, that require investment in equipment, investment in technology, investment in, in business practice and commercial practice that uh, need incentivizing in order to drive that positive change. In terms of the renewable marketplace, but yeah, if we are going to be installing as many heat pumps as the government wishes us to install, then we either need to make some positive moves in reducing the electricity cost so that it becomes a much more um, realistic proposition against gas and oils, um, or we've got to incentivize the capital equipment so that we're not already at a massive disadvantage before we even start to look at the very small difference between electricity and gas costs. That's right, because these are massive investments, aren't they? And absolutely, you know, yeah. There's a, there's often a a gap, isn't there, between you know getting that project off the ground and paying, um, and who's going to foot the bill for that? When you're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds, aren't you, for these schemes? Yes, absolutely. That that capital investment with technology that of itself is relatively uh, inexpensive in comparison to to other technologies. However, it's the infrastructure cost for heat pumps that really bring that capital up, you know, where you've got to put in very large ground arrays, where you've got to dig boreholes, where you maybe have to pipe lots of water from, you know, several kilometres away to get the heat to where it's needed. It's not all just about the physical box of the physical heat pump itself. Um, and that can really add considerable costs to, to a project. Thanks to John there and to Mark. I hope that gave some useful insight and don't forget there's lots of useful tips for farming smarter plus research and analysis on our website fginsight.com and of course you can pick up a copy of Farmers Guidance magazine every Friday. Well until next week thank you for listening to Over the Farm Gate. Bye for now. <laughs>